Hey, welcome to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast, The Magic of Thinking Small. I'm Julie Hall, the founder of microentrepreneur.biz and womenunlimitedworldwide.com, one of the UK's most popular women in business websites. On this podcast, my main goal is to help you with marketing, mindset, and smart business strategies to help you build a successful micro business. Listen weekly as I share with you the proven strategies and tips on how to build and grow your micro business from real micro business owners just like you. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, head over to microentrepreneur.biz and sign up for our newsletter, and you'll also get a copy of my free download of the top 10 business tools that I couldn't live without. I look forward to connecting with you over there. Now, on to the show. Hey, and welcome to episode 26 of Micro Entrepreneur, The Magic of Being Small. This interview is my second interview with Dee Blick, where we talked all about marketing strategies, specifically marketing strategies as they apply to micro businesses. Dee is an absolute mine of information when it comes to marketing. And I really do recommend that you pick up her book, The Ultimate Guide to Small Business Marketing. I had such a blast talking with her. So I hope you enjoy that interview. And the Micro Entrepreneur book is coming along. I've just had an absolute marathon of interviewing case studies and I've got such an interesting range of businesses. I spoke with Julia Boggio who is a really well-known British photographer. I spoke with a gun shop owner which was a real surprise in so many ways. I've spoken with Jacqueline Rogers, the founder of the Athena Network. She's just an amazing lady and I spoke with a guy that owns a aerial acrobatic fitness company called Flying Fantastic um, and his name's Chris Wigan and it's just so brilliant talking to so many entrepreneurs who love what they do and are really passionate and excited about it so um, I can't wait to share more of their stories with you next year once the book's really finally done and uh, I'll start drip feeding little bits and pieces out into the general public before it comes out so keep an eye out for that and this is going to be the last podcast before Christmas. Can you believe it's next week? I'm not sure I can. Um, I hope you're all ready and prepared. I know I still feel like I've got a long way to go. And somehow, all of a sudden, I seem to be in a really massive panic to get everything completed before the end of the year. But anyway, hopefully that will be, I'll be able to get everything done. And do make sure that you take some time out over Christmas, really enjoy spending time with your friends and your family. Because you know, part of the reason that we do this thing called being a business owner is to allow ourselves the freedom really to spend time with the people that we love and do the things that we really enjoy. And I think sometimes when we get caught up in the day to day of running our businesses that we can forget that we need to do that and make the space for it. So um, do have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas holidays. And I look forward to speaking to you in the next podcast. And now onto the show. Hi, welcome to Micro Entrepreneur, The Magic of Thinking Small. Today with me for my second, for the second time, I have Dee Blick. Hi, Dee. Hi there. (laughs) So this, in this podcast, we're actually going to be talking about small business marketing because this is your area that you are 
really well known for and you've written three books on how to market your business so um you've got the 50 15 essential marketing masterclasses you've got the ultimate small business marketing book and remind me of the name of your third one the first one is powerful marketing on a shoestring budget brilliant so um Let's start with the most recent marketing book you've you've written, the 15 Marketing Masterclasses. Now, obviously, yes. we're not going to be able to go into all 15. If, no. you, <laughs> if you could choose two masterclasses that you think people should really be focusing on in their business, what would those be? It would be the... I think if I'm if we're talking about like micro entrepreneurs, yeah, it would be without a shadow of a doubt chapter one, which is about the perfect marketing plan, and I really show a small business owner how to roll their sleeves up, create an amazing plan with no experience and no knowledge, and I also share a template. When I say it's generated millions of pounds worth of sales, I'm not trying to be a snake oil merchant there, but genu- genuinely, I've created a template that I work with businesses that has generated millions in sales so I would say get your nose stuck into that first masterclass I can't remember this masterclass number 12 but it's how to become a genuine expert in your field it's the expert masterclass Mm -hmm. because I feel that so many micro entrepreneurs as you very great you captioned that as well it's a great description but so many micro entrepreneurs they've got all this expertise in their head They've got all this hard-won experience and know-how, and they never fully channel it out to compress the decision-making process of a prospect, i.e., oh, my God, they're the expert. I've got to talk to them. They don't actually bring it out and make full use of it. So on the sort of real belt and braces, get the marketing plan sorted out. But if you really want to make strides in the field you are in, is become a go-to, the go-to genuine expert, the person who shares from the heart and the head with no expectation of a return other than being seen to be the ultimate expert, which is what I've done with small business marketing. So as you said, I can only have two. Maybe the two that I choose, you mean it. Okay, well, let's delve in a little bit deeper then on those with the marketing plan. And this is something I know lots of small business owners really struggle with, right? Because they're intimidated, because they think it's think it's got to be too big, or yeah. they don't know what to write, they don't have all the yeah. information. What are some tips that you can offer around creating a really kick-ass marketing plan? I mean, the first thing I'd say is redefine what you perceive a marketing plan is, because understandably, Most small businesses think of it as it's for great big brands. You need to have a marketing degree. It's a theoretical tome that should be locked away. Or the only time I've got a marketing plan is if I'm going to the bank manager. It ain't any of that for a small business. I want you to look upon a marketing plan as the engine that fuels your sales and compresses the process the amount of time it takes to close the sale as well so you redefine your thinking of it you don't become so unwilling to commit a bit of time to it I'd say use whatever tool that you like to use to capture information whether it's onto your mobile on flip chart sheets in your office or on your laptop But start with the simple stuff. There's two areas. I was talking about this, funnily enough, at a really big conference on Monday to an audience of small businesses. And I said, there's a target audience. So find your starving crowds. And the questions you've got to answer are, who do I want to reach? 
these are your target audiences split them into little groups you know if it's accountants in this postcode area of that size write it down if it's electricians in this area you know write actually physically write down who are my target audiences because often small businesses do shoot from the hip everybody needs our services everybody needs our services well that might be the case but you can't target everybody no, you can't get to them can you number one yeah who do i want to reach then why for each group answer the question why and it's got to be because you believe that group has a deep underlying need for what you offer Number two, you can make good money. You're not giving away your services for free. And three, you can access them. There's no point targeting an audience that you've got to crawl, crawl over broken glass to get over because you can't get the data. You don't know where they are. Or when you get there, they want it all for free because they're cash strapped. Yeah. So that's why uh, And this little process I'm taking, you know, the guys that are hopefully listening, listening to this through, it saves so much time and it's going to get them focus on only targeting the right people so who do I want to reach why where do I find them now where do I find them could be something simple I go on the internet and I put in plumbers Horsham area and lo and behold yell.com spews out a list it might be that we've got to buy or rent data you can get really cheap and I want to say low-cost good quality data you can pay like about 300 quid for 1500 business details so it's not that information lists are very expensive nowadays they can be quite low cost just make sure you use a member of the direct marketing association when it's where do i find them it's also going back to you know what blogs will i find them on blogs will i find them on forums are they, are they in the right area for me because you've got to do quite a big foray of this before you start to think I don't want to target them on that blog. I'm actually going to go for a little mailing list. That's much easier. I'm going to do a little direct mail campaign and pick up the phone and target them that way. Or it might be now I'm going to drive this online. I'm going to use social channels to access them. So who do I want to reach? Why? Where do I find them? Exhaust yourself in putting all those outlets down, even if you decide you're going to ignore half of them. You're trying to build up a really good picture here. Next question, what are the compelling benefits that I offer that they genuinely need and this is so important because often a business owner will go into benefit overload they share far too much at too early a stage when they're targeting that particular audience it's like drench what the hell do I you know I'm a potential customer what the hell am I going to choose out of all that so just think about what are the relevant compelling benefits that I'm going to dish up at an early stage in the relationship with that prospect because we can drip feed things further down the line so really work on your, you've got to back yourself here and think about what am I taking to this audience that I'm confident they're going to have a strong need for and that these messages will persuade them. Again, write it down. And the next thing you say is, what are the barriers? So what's going to put this group off? And it could be they're already using my kind of services, in which case it might be a case of how am I going to work on switching them over? And your message then is not about buy me, it's about have you thought about considering another provider? When did you last review the guys that you're with now? It's always a good idea to get a comparative quote or to have a chat with another business doing something that's pretty similar, but possibly even better. The reason why I encourage, and I do this myself in my own business and for the clients I work with, when you've got the heady mixture of benefits and barriers, you've got the ultimate communication then. You're not just steaming in there going, we're wonderful, rah, rah, rah. You're going, actually, this will probably really interest you about us. It's probably really relevant to you. But we also understand that you might have reservations about coming to us. You know, simple stuff. What I also want your guys to do 
is identify introducers. You could call them strategic partners, whatever. But I think I gave the example at your lovely conference a few years ago of the lady with the dress shop. And she identified that her introducers were beauticians and hairdressers, that by targeting beauticians and hairdressers and saying, let's do cross-referral on clients. And that's great in a networking context, Julie, mm. isn't it? So, to find complementary partners that can introduce you and you can introduce them to your client base. So do that to start with. That exercise is illuminating. And I, I do it with every client that I work with. And it's like they sit there and go, oh, my God, I didn't realize that a marketing plan was so straightforward. So that's a big part of the marketing plan there. No marketing experience needed, just common sense, bit of savvy and a bit of time. The next thing, big part of your marketing plan is document your greatness. And by that, I mean develop. You might have heard it called a benefit statement. I refer to it as a positioning statement. That's a marketer's term, a positioning statement. But write down everything that you offer that makes you so bloody good in the eyes of those potential customers. You know, whether it's training, accreditations, your free, you know, after hours service, whatever it is, all the great things you do, write it down. And a lot of business owners will go, that's common sense. And I'll say, well, how many of these benefits are you actually selling now? Oh, we're not, D. I had two guys from a business. I did a three and a half page positioning statement of all the benefits. And I said, when I look at your website, and your literature, none of this is in there. Mm. Why is that? Oh, well, it's obvious to us. Well, it ain't obvious to your potential clients. So that's the second area. The third thing I'd say as part of your marketing plan is have campaigns. Don't do one-off hits. It'd be a bit like you, Julie, say targeting, you know, with, with your great networking group, you're trying to bring people on board and you've got a conference. If all you did was do one communication, so let's just say you target deeply one email, I might respond to it. But if you drip feed a series of communications, we've now only got 20 seats left. Did you know we've got this great speaker in? D, you're the last, this is the last time I'll contact you. If you've got a cleverly orchestrated shoestring campaign, then at some stage, I'm either going to opt out or I'm going to opt in. But if we just front load and say, well, I've sent one great letter out and got no response, well, you expected too much for too little given the lack of a relationship. So what your marketing plan should be is get your starving crowds, know all the great things you're going to talk to them about, but pull out the ones that are relevant at the start. And the third thing is build campaigns. There are five stages that that prospect's going to go through with you. Awareness, interest, evaluation, desire, and action. You need to map where they are on that little continuum. And so if they know nothing about me, my first hit's going to be about getting their awareness and interest. My second hit is moving them into evaluation. My third hit, I want to build desire that leads into action. So what you do is, and I do this with all my clients, we've got that little continuum and we say, what are we doing to move that prospect from there, haven't got a clue who we are, to there, they're a fully paid up client. They're the three key areas of a marketing plan that I would say you're, that, that any small business owner should focus on because I, I meet and I have been in front of thousands of small businesses in the last 30 years and my god the amount of money they've spent on shoot from the hip tactics yeah. and the minute I suggest yeah and they're like this is so straightforward Dee I didn't know marketing was so straightforward I didn't realize that a plan would save me money and give me focus and clarity so that's really what I'd say <laughs> yeah well and I agree and I think you know what happens is people get 
stuck down a particular road or doing taking certain actions without actually evaluating whether or not it's working are they spending the right amount of money either too much or too little are they is the action actually getting them in front of their target customer and you see this with people attending networking events you see this with people paying for advertising you know choosing to do things that are just not going to generate a return and then they commit for the long term on these activities Mm. You know, and it's it just happens again and again and again. And then they wonder why business is a struggle. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, I always say start with your starving crowd, start with the audiences within your audiences. Find the ones that have got the greatest need. If you've got, say, seven different groups, you might not have to target seven different groups. You might realize looking at it, if I just focused on the top three that have got the strongest need, that's where my energy should lie. I was doing this yesterday with a business. I do it every single day of my life. So what I'm saying here is. It's not D-Blick theory, it's D-Blick doing it every single day, where yesterday I was doing it for a client for a branch in Doncaster that they've opened up and really whittling down to, well, the audience is that big. We don't need that big an audience. We only want a quarter of it in the first phase of the launch, and we're going to focus our energies here because we haven't got unlimited resources and unlimited time and money. And that's where businesses, they don't do that. They dive into tactics. I've had it where a guy came to see me, he'd spent 20 grand on advertising, and when I talked to him through his target audiences, he realized that none of them were being served in any distinct <laughs> way. <You know? laughs> it's heartbreaking, isn't it? I know, heartbreaking. I hate it. And what do I you hate... say to people that, you know, so they've identified, I'll, I'll give you a classic example is cold calling, right? Yeah. It creates fear in the pit of the stomach of many business yeah. owners. And yet, for so many business owners, it can be a really powerful way to build and grow your business. What advice would you have for people in that situation? God, I wish I wish we had all day because I run workshops on this. But I would say, first of all, warm them up before the cold call. There's lots of things nowadays. Follow them on Twitter. Message them on LinkedIn. Be charming. Read their profile. If I wanted to get to you, say, Julia, I, the, what, the first thing I'd do, if I wanted to get you to be an advocate for my book and I didn't know you, I would research you on LinkedIn. I'd research you on Twitter. I'd Google you. I'd find out as much as I could about you. I'd pay you the respect of understanding you. Then I, I would probably write you on LinkedIn or Twitter and say, I'm absolutely overawed by you. You, you seem to be an amazing woman. Um, and I just wanted to have a very brief phone conversation with you. Is that feasible or would you rather we chatted on Twitter? Don't just steam straight into the cold call. See how you can warm that person up. The other thing about studying their social media profiles is you'll get a feel for how friendly and accessible they are by the way in which they write their profile. So I've got, I'm very, if somebody calls me on a cold call, I'll, I'll chat away and they'll probably tell by my LinkedIn I'm quite a friendly, down to earth woman. If it comes across that I'm quite starchy and quite opinionated, then my uh, the approach I would take to that person will be very different. I might then send them an introductory letter beforehand. So I do quite a bit of this where I'll send a charming letter. If I really want to target somebody using the telephone that's going to be of significant benefit to a client, because now and again, I am known to make calls for clients. They pull me out of retirement. <laughs> what, 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 what I will do is I'll send a lumpy mail shop. So I'll send a, a really charming letter, hand-signed. I'll put something nice inside of it, like it could be a, a, not a cheap bit of tat, but it might be a bar of organic chocolate, just something that I then send it. I do this with the media and then I'll pick up the phone and it's like, oh, you sent me the chocolate and the nice letter. It's not, sorry, who are you? So if you're really panic stricken at the thought of making a cold call, then make sure you've warmed that prospect up 
beforehand. If you're steaming straight into it, then accept you're going to get lots of rejections, but within the rejections, you'll get the good stuff. And I just think a charming introduction of, I'm sure you get loads of telephone calls. Is it possible to take a brief moment of your time just to outline how I believe we might be of some benefit to you? Things I've said before are, because I built a business of two million pounds using the telephone call calling, and I brought in a team of girls as well. And we'd just be really nice and charming and say, if I was calling, um, let's say, a, an HR company, I'd say, I just want to sort of chat to you about the other HR companies that we're working with and how we're adding value to them with our training services. It's now a good time. So kind of arouse their curiosity. Or I might just say, I want to assure you, you're just one of 10 people in the UK that I'm just making this phone call to, to introduce our services, because we find it's a great way of making an initial communication with an HR company some people will still say get knotted but by that approach you should get more that will say oh all right okay I'll give you a few minutes (laughs) who could resist you Dee (laughs) what advice would you have because one of the things that I suggest to people is actually that using an agency is quite often an easy way to get over that initial hurdle particularly if they're doing those introductory calls for you if somebody did want to get because also the other thing is that agencies actually don't cost that much do they no no, they don't but I tell you there's a few things that you have to do I've worked with quite a few agencies and I also have done troubleshooting for agencies that aren't getting results so they bring me in to say why aren't we getting meetings and I think there's two things one is you have to brief the pants off them You've got to really inspire them with your benefit statement. You've also got to be very tight on the audience that you want them to target. But equally, you have to be realistic as to what they can attain. And it might be that getting an appointment on the first call is an unreal, unrealistic aspiration. So it should be more about them warming that, you know, that continuum of awareness, interest, evaluation. Mm. Be very clear about what's realistic for them to achieve. Otherwise, they'll try and go for the meeting at an early stage by sometimes over-promising. And you attend the meeting, and it's like a totally the wrong client. So brief them like mad. Inspire them with your vision. Give them great case studies of businesses that you're doing wonderful things for make it easy for them to enthuse about you make sure you've got mock calls that they call you uh, in the guise of calling an actual prospect so you can listen to how they position your brand Mm. check their notes so make sure that what their notes are fantastic as well i'm doing this with a very big brand i can't mention who but there's kind of a global brand i'm doing this with at the moment that I'm getting the telemarketing team all prepped up for my client because my client's got this global brand who said, we'd love to promote your service. And I'm like, hang on a minute, before I get your guys on the phones, I really want to make sure that they are absolutely cooking on gas when it comes to understanding my client's points of differentiation and how they are better than a lot of the providers in the marketplace. So it might work as well, give them a bit of a competitor evaluation by saying genuinely, we find these are the areas where we really rock compared to others competitors i think you have to give them scenarios you know if you're going into a particular target audience group is to say they may have an existing provider in which case we normally find that's a good route to go down they haven't got our services but they find that they do their own diy version we find this approach helps what i'm getting at there julie and i talk about this a lot at events i speak at you cannot appoint a a business to do marketing for you whether it's cold calling 
whether it's your website and get on with it. Come back when the miracles happened and you built my pipeline and I'm yeah, growing. If only. You know, it, it's working together. It really is. And that means after the first day, you go through how they've called. I, I, I mentor. I, I'm quite passionate about this because I'm mentoring a couple of people at the moment as well for quite a well-recognized brand. And the amount of training these guys need about the brand. They might have all the skills in the world, but it doesn't mean that those skills are immediately transferable into a particular type of business. And so don't stint on the enthusing, the briefing, the ongoing monitoring, and make it as easy as possible for them to get that meeting by covering all bases and then get the mock calls as well. So before they go live, you've you've rooted out any errors because they could unwittingly say things that are completely wrong about your business. Yeah. And yeah. What is my answers are so long. My answers are long-winded. I'm just aware. <laughs> no, you're absolutely brilliant, Dee. I mean, honestly, it's it's all so important, right? And rather than, I think, so many small business owners, and I'm guilty of this as well, you know, do shoot from the hip, right? We just kind of just have an idea, want to get it out there as fast as possible, not really taking the time to do the planning, to do the checking, to do the testing, and make sure that the stuff that we're getting out there is hitting the mark or actually going to get us the results, right? And so that's all part of that um, investing in the upfront piece to make sure that the outcomes that you get are exactly what you're looking for. You're so right. And I think when I share advice, like, for example, that stuff about the telemarketing, I was approached by a small business that had spent £7,000 on telemarketing. They got three meetings and no go ahead. But when I sat down and said, well, what template emails did you give? What briefing did you give them? How did you work? They looked at me like I was an alien floating in front of their (laughs) face. Well, we let them get on with it. And then seven grand later, you've got diddly squat. What's the good in that? And that's about abdicating responsibility it's a bit like saying I'm going to go to a networking event and the mere fact of me being there is good enough I won't chat to anybody I won't be smiley and friendly I'll or I might just pimp myself continuously then you say well networking works but you didn't work it mate and it's the same with any sort of marketing channel you do it in the right way and it's one that the audience is responsive to it should work but the finesse lies in creating something that is mesmerizingly brilliant for that person on the receiving end to think yeah, I'll give you a bit of a shout out this time. I'll listen to you just for a bit. Well, absolutely. Now, one of the things that happens is that we do get scared of marketing, right? And we'd, we're so enamored in doing the work that we do, we kind of don't really want to have to go out and sell it to anybody. We just want it all to magically happen. Yeah. What yeah. advice do you have for business owners that are in that situation where where marketing is something they view as a drag or a pain uh, that they just have to get on with um, in terms of their business. The thing is, I'm probably quite uncompromisingly hard on this one because, and again, it's something I was chatting about on Monday at this, I was speaking at the Standard Conference on Monday and they were all small businesses and I said, you know, I get it. I totally empathise that finding time for marketing is hard. But the opposite is that you're handing over your power, your skills, your know-how to a competitor that's more marketing savvy. And is that what you came into business for? To have the best kept secret in the world? And so it's almost like you've got to change your mindset. Stop looking upon marketing as the enemy and look upon it as the channel that releases you, your magnificence onto the world at large. And that's that's the whole point about marketing. Rather than thinking, oh God, I've got to do it, is reframe it where, hey, you know, today's about getting this, this great product out there. And the only thing that's going to do it is marketing. 
the other thing I'll say as well is that those businesses that commit to marketing it gets easier because what happens is you get more of a pool of advocates, you get more referrals. And so the hard yards of marketing, the real slog like the hard cold calling, it diminishes and you can find yourself on more pleasurable things like focusing on building your expert status on the PR side of your business. And so the hard yards at the beginning where you're pounding the streets, getting on the phone, really working, attending every networking meeting going, you can become a bit more choosy and as you move more towards that, you know, I call it on the happy road to destiny. The other thing I'd say as well is that you've got to push out your comfort zone. If you've got this great business that you don't want to be invisible, you have to push out of your comfort zone, which, for example, with me, it was public speaking. I think I shared at your event a few years ago. I now get paid a shed load of money for public speaking. Rewind 10 years, I was terrified of it. But I, ha I realized that if I really wanted to become this UK's best-selling small business marketer, all that palaver, I had to do things that I didn't really like the thought of doing. And I think that's part of our growth and development. It's part of the, you've coined this micro-entrepreneur, but the micro-entrepreneur mindset has to be we take risks, not just with our business and with our products and services. We take risks with us. We risk getting out there and doing stuff that's uncomfortable. We risk being successful. So marketing is, it's a fact of life, we've got to do it. So we either don't do it and just hope that the market comes to us and you're jolly lucky if that happens to you or we say, you know what, the only way I'm going to get this baby right out there and earning me decent money and getting my voice heard and really fulfilling all my aspirations and desires is by marketing. And then marketing becomes your friend rather than your begrudged um, foe. Yeah, it is absolutely something you have to embrace, I think, as yeah. a small business owner because we don't have the money to pay somebody to do that for us or bring someone in. And also, we need to be our own best salesperson. Absolutely. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. You say it in a much more concise manner than me. I just <laughs> wobble on for hours, but you're right. I always say, I mean, the best ambassador is you. You know, it's not yeah. Julie Hall's associate here. It's Julie Hall is the best ambassador for her brand. And the great thing about you being the best ambassador for your brand and being prolific, you then get lots of little mini me's. So fans of Julie that love her and they want to talk about her and they want to be associated with her. And because you made the effort to get your ass out there in the first place and do the hard yard you attract tribes that actually want to promote you and that's my experience now I had to market the pants off my business when I started I was no different to anybody else it was really hard for various reasons I was on the edge of depression and then at the idea of marketing my business I had to really get out there but now the only marketing I do is PR and public speaking and mm. blogging the you stuff know, that you love right yeah that's right and it all comes to me yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I really do encourage is that you identify the bits of marketing that you do really enjoy so that you know where your strengths are. But it unfortunately yeah. doesn't mean you can, to use your words, abdicate responsibility for the rest of it. Because no. if you just focus on one particular channel, odds are you're going to be missing whole swathes of your potential target yeah. market. And it gets easier. You know, it, it reward yourself. If you've got a tough session where you're doing some cold calling, reward yourself. Think, right, after I'm going to go down to Costa and have a nice coffee. I'm, I'm going to have a cream cake or I'm, I'm going to do something that's pleasurable. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just think about little pit stops of rewards that you can build in the way. If cold calling is a bit of a drag, set yourself a 90-minute stint. 90 minutes, I will work my pants, and then I'm going to have a cake and a coffee or move on to something more pleasurable. You know, it's... It's not impossible. It's the mindset that we bring towards it that is so important as to whether 
we succeed or not. And how long do you think, you know, how much time do you think as business owners we need to dedicate to marketing? I think it depends on where you are in your business and what your goals are. If you're a new business, really you're marketing nonstop. You know, it's, that's all you're doing because you haven't got an order book. So if you're not marketing sort of four or five days a week, it's really radically <laughs> wrong. You know, yes. if you ain't got nothing else, you're not packing orders and sending them out. You're actually sort of getting this baby out there. <laughs> I think it, I think that if I give you an example of me, I, I, I probably do the equivalent of at least half a day every single week to a day on marketing, often on a Sunday morning. And I'm not looking to grow my business. Mine's more about book sales now and speaking engagements, but I realize the value in keeping my name bubbling out there. So I would say that if you've got a, an established business, then good practices, if you can get, say, half a day, to the, when I say half to a one day, it can be like two hour slots, but don't do marketing on the hoof. Try and actually put slots into your diary. If you can do the equivalent of sort of six to eight hours, and you've got quite a nice mature business where you're not scrabbling around for the orders. But you've got to you've got to link this to where am I and where do I want to be? And that should influence the amount of marketing that you do. But good practice would be half to a day a week, but more if it's needed. And what do you think are some of the marketing strategies that we should avoid as small business owners? Oh, my God. How many hours have we got here? The one thing I'd say is, and I abhor this, are these systems that we're encouraged to sign up to now. So I got one the other day, if I had two, one was to sign up to a social media system and for six hours a month, I would be guaranteed a six-figure business. What a load of Mm. crap, frankly. Lie on a beach, bat your eyelids, you're a millionaire provided you pay me £100 a month. I think beware subscribing to systems that promise an awful lot. Because my experience, and again, all I can talk from is people that have come to me, they, they tend not to work out. And, and when they don't work out, you're still blamed. It's, you were at fault. So avoid avoid high spending ideas. So if somebody comes to you and says, you know, for just £3,000, I'll guarantee to get you to the top of Google, I'd say, thank you very much. I think I'll do alternative things. I think spending a huge amount of money without having a really good idea that it's going to give an absolute return on spend in a very short space of time, I would avoid it. I think don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't just think that because you love networking, that's all you should do is explore. In my experience, if you're doing sort of like four to six things to get your name out there rather than relying on one thing. So if I'm an example, I do blogging, I do Twitter, I do public speaking, I do writing in printed publications. I do seminars. So I've got like even to my my little strand, I've got five different things that I do. I don't just go down one alleyway. There's got to be a compelling reason for you to stick to one channel alone. I've seen businesses catch coal where they've been completely reliant upon one channel. It dries up or the market changes and suddenly they caught a cold. So have a good handful of tactics. Don't subscribe to these systems and don't spend huge sums of money up front on things that promise the world and could end up delivering nothing. And the reverse of that, if you could describe two or three tactics that small business owners absolutely should get involved with in their business, what would they be? It would be networking. I think business networking is unbelievable. It got me started on my business. I think it's phenomenal. I think business networking is fantastic. 
I think being able to pick up the phone and articulate what you're offering to people that might be interested or introduced is fantastic. I think explore, when I say explore social media, I mean social media is amazing for me and I get great things. I've got clients that would have no benefit from social media because their audiences aren't hanging out on there. So, But again, explore social media. It's free for God's sakes. You know, for 10, 15 minutes a day, you, you can explore it for six months and decide to pull the plug on it. Yeah. I think look at doing things like charming emails charming text-based emails with little links that are written as really nice snappy little short letters this comes back to that continuum of behavior what blend of tactics should i be using to move somebody along that and invariably you can't just go down one channel of all i'll ever do is phone them well it's i'll phone them i'll email them i'll write to them i'll engage them on social media so think more in that way what's what's the blend of different tactics that i can use to move that prospect from not having a clue who i am to being a fully paid up client, I'm getting amazing results with direct mail. Amazing. Because I do very charming letters that are hand signed in lovely envelopes. And I don't do bulk direct mail. It's like 10, 20 at a time for clients. Amazing results. So again, something as simple as that, a beautiful letter with something popped in, a phone call, an introduction on LinkedIn, or you meet somebody at a networking event and then you write to them afterwards a gorgeous letter or you say hello on Twitter. You know, think about joining those marketing dots up mm -hmm. so it intensifies the impact of each individual element. And, and you know, from the sounds of it, one is about having continuity, two is quality, right? And yeah. it's about being really selective, Yes, it you is. know about who you're marketing to, so that you know that the person that you're marketing to is in the is kind of looking for what you yeah. or or could be looking for what you what yeah. you're selling, rather yeah. than this kind of um, you know spray marketing where you just yeah. get it out there to as many people as you can yeah. and hope that it sticks to someone. Absolutely, I mean, I, I had a LinkedIn message the other day from a guy trying to sell. It was office furniture, bulk buying of office, and I'm thinking. I work at home, mate. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a global brand looking to buy huge stocks of, you know, recycled office furniture. He just spammed his LinkedIn base. We, we see it on Twitter as well, where somebody will just do you an auto direct message, you know, sign up to my blog now or sign up to my system now. It's like, where's the charming getting to know yes. one another? But it's the same at networking, isn't it? That if I met you at a networking event and I thought, my God, Julie, hold, Julie, please recommend me. Please recommend my book. She'd be like, whoa, <laughs> sorry, who are you? Yeah, yeah. Take the time, show, show a bit of respect, show some charm, develop a relevant message. And I think that's why I am successful as a marketer, that I impose this discipline upon my clients. Charming, relevant, timely messages. Don't overstep the mark. Don't be afraid to show your glory, but don't overstep the mark. Don't ask for the sale too soon. Don't be too aggressive. Accept it's going to be a bit of a, uh, this might be a bit of a long haul, but we're going to get there in the end. Or it might be a short haul, but it's just... It's, it's that going back to, I call it being brilliant at the basics, Julie. Yeah. And the basics are great communication, whether it's like us now or whether it's on the phone, whether it's face-to-face -face in a meeting or in print. Let's just have some great communication here that benefits both of us. Well, what a fantastic note to close on, Dee. I think that's lovely. And I'm really going to take away that idea about being charming because I think there's not enough charm in the world and Aww. actually, it's, and you know, as a as a marketing tool, it's incredibly powerful, yeah. right? And something that we can all have. Uh, every anybody, everybody can be charming. We just need to I, decide I that we're going to be so. 
Totally agree. And it's been really, really lovely talking to you as well. Yeah, same here. Thanks so much, Dee. And um, again, the books, let's talk about all three of them. Go through the titles for me. There's the, well, I'll do the last three. There's the Ultimate Small Business Marketing Book. There's the 15 Essential Marketing Masterclasses for Your Small Business. That's the sequel to the Ultimate. And the latest one, which is the Ultimate Guide to Writing and Marketing a Best Selling Book. Brilliant. Well, first, it's kind of like some of the information there is out of date now, so I wouldn't want to plug that. Yeah, Even no, fair enough. Like, and and your website and Twitter? Uh, Twitter, dblick. The website is themarketinggym.org, but the best place to get me is Twitter because I am so all over the place most days. I'm rarely around, and so if people want to connect with me, Twitter's great because I tweet in the evening, early morning. If I'm en route to a client and I'm sat down in a cafe, I'm always tweeting, so that's a good place to get hold of me. Fantastic. Well, I've loved every minute of it, Dee. Thank, Thank you. you so much for giving me your time today. A pleasure. All right, oh. take care. Thanks for listening to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast. If you'd like to get a copy of the links mentioned, please head over to microentrepreneur.biz where you can also get a copy of my business tools that I couldn't live without. Also, I'm introducing a segment where I will answer one or two listener questions. So if there's a burning question that you have about your business, please leave a message, which you'll find the link to do over in the sidebar at microentrepreneur.biz. Who knows? I may even discuss it with one of our business experts. So you get two heads for the price of one. Finally, if you like the show, please do leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast site you are listening to this from, as it really helps us with our rankings and to get the word out. Thanks so much for your support. Until next time.